0: Hey, everyone, welcome to the mom hour. I am Sarah Powers. And today I am flying without my co host, Megan Francis, because today I'm excited to bring you one of our bonus interview episodes. So as you know, once a month, We uh, bring you an interview with somebody we think you'll love hearing from, um, a mom with a story to share and some advice to offer. And it's just really fun for Megan and me to chat with other moms while continuing to bring you our weekly episodes that are just the two of us chatting about all things motherhood and family life. So, Um, Welcome to our new listeners. I'm recording this at the beginning of 2017. And we know from our downloads that there are just a bunch of new listeners joining us in the new year. And we're so thankful for that. So if this is the first interview episode you've heard, I would love for you to go back into our archives and check out the others. Again, it's kind of a, a a separate series that we do. Our normal format is just Megan and myself, Um, but this is the eighth in our bonus interview series, and I know you're going to enjoy it, and you can find all of our bonus interviews at themomhour.com. So I'm really excited to introduce you to our interview for today with Donia Bumgarner. Donia is a writer and a blogger at nurturedmama.net. And she has a pretty incredible story to share um, with us today. She has had um, some health challenges in the last couple of years and really has some great perspective on the notion of self-care, the notion of accepting help when you need it from those around you. Um, And she's also a creative, just a creative person. She's an artist and a writer and a cook and a photographer and has just really beautiful perspective on creativity, um, both while going through hard times and also as a daily practice. So I know you're going to love my interview with Donia. Um, don't forget that everything Donia and I talk about, including some specific articles she's written, um, that are so wonderfully done and great resources for other moms. Everything we chat about will be at themomhour.com. Look for bonus interview number eight. Um, And I will link to everything there, including how you can find more of Donia's work. So as you enjoy listening, don't worry about writing any of it down. Just head to themomhour.com and you'll find it all there. So thanks so much for listening, everybody. And here is my interview with Donia Bumgarner. Hi, Donia. Thanks so much for being here. Hi. So nice to be here. Thank you. Well, I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Um, Let's just start by... I'd love for you to share with our listeners the story that I know about you from getting to know you over the years, but um, kind of living a corporate life and leaving it rather suddenly and becoming a mom. Do you want to just kind of tell that part of your journey for our listeners? Sure. Um, yeah. this uh,
2: <laughs> It's such an interesting story because it was, yeah, it was sort of like – what I thought I was going to do and then what really happened which is really how life is right yes. so um I worked at Apple Inc for almost 12 years and um it was just one of those things where I got hired at Apple when Apple was really hiring everybody and then I thought I'd stay for a year and make some money and then go do something else because I have an art degree and that wasn't really my life path and then there I was 11 years later still working there Um, and it was really good Uh, it was a great career I I worked as a, a tester a software tester for a while and then I moved into project management I was very good at it I loved it I was well promoted well compensated it was a good job, yeah. um but I did get really burnt out it's a it's a hard job too and um I found myself in my late thirties, not you know my my marriage had come apart, and i so I was divorced and single and didn't have the kid that I thought I was going to have when I was 20 and not really sure where my life was going. And so I decided that I was going to leave Apple and go get an MBA and then figure out what I was going to do after that. And I had recently started seeing somebody um, and he seemed like we were going to be serious together. And Mm -hmm. we had talked about, we'd actually known each other for quite some time. So, you know, having a conversation about maybe having children together someday didn't seem
0: Mm -hmm. awkward
2: after not being together very long. (laughs) So we had talked about it. um, And I applied to grad school. I got in, I gave my notice at work, and then um, I found out I was pregnant, (laughs) right in the middle of all that. So um, we decided we were going to commit to being together and having this child. And um, I was going to start grad school and then see what happened. I figured I could probably take a semester off to have the baby and then go right back to it. Cause you know, I'd been working at Apple and working really (laughs) hard. So, um, so I left my job, um, when I was two and a half months pregnant, so they didn't know anything Mm -hmm. about it. And, and I pretty much spent that summer before grad school started sleeping because Mm -hmm. I was so exhausted and, um, And then it turned out that my pregnancy was really kind of rough. I think that I was just so worn down. Um, I got sick a lot. My back went out at one point. I couldn't walk for a few weeks. Um, I did get through that semester of grad school. But by that point, I realized that I really never wanted to go back to a corporate job again. So um, I took a leave of absence just to be sure that Mm -hmm. that was really my decision. I took a leave of absence. I had my daughter. Um, and then I quit grad school, so <laughs> so that was not how I thought my life was going to go yeah. at all. Yeah, and um, all
0: of that in the span of a year or so. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, even a
2: little bit less than a year. Um. So yeah, so here I am now. My daughter's almost six, and I am a stay-at-home mom. I never went back to school or work. <laughs>
1: But you,
0: but you have done many, many things, but I've done other things. Yeah. Yeah. So So talk about, yeah, talk about starting nurtured mama, your blog, because that's about the point when I met you, you and I met in Megan's writing class, which listeners of this show have heard Megan (laughs) and I talk about and. Um, it was just a very cool group. But um, was, was, awesome was group. Stella a baby when you decided she, to start that blog? Yeah, she was. Um,
2: she So I think I signed up for Megan's class when she was about eight months old. And that was really the first thing I had done for myself since she was born. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, I can't even think of the right metaphor, but let's go with a cool drink of water. Yeah. It was like oh my gosh, I really needed this. And Uh I didn't even know I needed it until I did it. Um, And I thought that I would do freelance writing. That was the focus of the course. Mm -hmm. And I did some of that, but mostly it was just the act of writing. Mm -hmm. Like I just needed to be processing in Mm -hmm. a way that I hadn't processed my life since she was born. Um, And then I started thinking about, you know, what I was writing about which was mostly how I needed to take care of myself because if I didn't take care of myself, I couldn't take care of this baby. Mm -hmm. And, and I couldn't find a lot of things around about that. There was a lot of, you know, there was a sort of like, Oh, self-care, go get your nails done. And Mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine leaving my baby long enough to do that still. Um, I was one of those attachment parents who really (laughs) could not leave my baby alone, which was part of the problem. Um, But I couldn't find anything about the sort of like deep self-care that I was really needing. So I started writing about it. And that was what um, my blog was about at the beginning.
1: Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience. But most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR.
2: So I launched it when Stella was, I think, about a year and a half old. Um, so yeah, it's been... A few years now that I've been writing there, and and mostly I admit I write about what I need to hear myself say. You know, I write about what I need to do to take care of myself in all these seasons of early motherhood.
0: Well, so- I what I what I love about your blog is you um, find a way to make practical something that is very kind of nebulous and hard to describe, which is deep self care and sort of nourishing our deepest soul needs as moms. But I love the project manager in you because that's how my brain works too. (laughs) And you find ways to give practical tips or step-by-step solutions for these things that, like I said, are um, hard to describe in a lot of ways. And especially if you're in the throes of new motherhood, really hard to even name what it is you need. And so as we move through our conversation today, I'm going to read a couple, read sections from one of your posts and talk about it. So just for our listeners listening right now, everything we talk about, will link up at themomhour.com. This is bonus interview number eight with Donia. So just that's where you'll go to find the things that we're going to talk about. But that's what strikes me as, yes, like you said, there's not a lot out there on the internet that really speaks to taking care of yourself in this fundamental way as a mom, and you find ways to do it right about it that are kind of deep and meaningful, but also very practical. Um, so I love that.
2: Thank you. Uh, That's my goal. So that's really nice to
0: hear. And it's just really cool that you've been, been at it now for several years. So Okay, so you at this point were writing regularly. I know you had picked up some of your other creative passions like painting and knitting and cooking and you were taking care of yourself and writing about taking care of yourself and then something happened.
2: Yeah, well, a couple of things happened. So let me even back up from the things you are alluding to. So before, um, so I was writing along, you know, thinking everything was good and my life was steady and we decided we wanted to have another baby. And so I got pregnant and then I miscarried Mm. and I was devastated. Um, And I was also in a car accident right around that same time. So it took some time to recover from both of those things. And then we tried again to get pregnant. I got pregnant again and then I had another miscarriage. And um, through both of those things, my body just was so worn out Mm -hmm. and I was... I was just having a really hard time. And so I took some time to get myself back on my feet, get my health back together. Um, And I thought things were going really well. And then uh, the thing you're alluding to, which was about a year and a half ago, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I was 42 and... um, I found a lump in my breast and I had put off my 40 year old mammogram because I was breastfeeding still at the time. And then I put it off a little bit longer because <laughs> it was the holidays by the time it was, you know, I was cleared to do it. Um, and so I don't remember the timing exactly, but I think I found the lump just, uh, I had scheduled the appointment and then I found the lump and then I went for the appointment and they confirmed that it was bad. Um and it was a very aggressive type of breast cancer, although we f- it was found very early, a very small tumor. It had not traveled anywhere else in my body, but um, it, it is a type of breast cancer that's very aggressive. So they recommended chemotherapy, surgery, and radiation. So, you know, the works. right? Um, and it was intense. Yeah, um, I'm on the other side of it now, but... Uh, I started. I started chemotherapy. I think six weeks after my diagnosis, maybe eight weeks wow. after my diagnosis. And
0: Stella was how old at this time? Your daughter? She was four. Okay.
2: So uh, she was really little.
0: And and what I kind of want to go into here is really the survival that you had to, the survival tactics that you had to adopt to get through this treatment process. Um, you have a post on your blog called how to get through it, a brief guide for chemo patients. And it's, I love this post because it's almost, almost light in a way. I mean, there, you kind of poke (laughs) fun in a couple of parts. Um, And it's also practical and it's also really, really personal. Um, I'm going to link to it so, so everybody can read it, but maybe use that post as a jumping off point for some of the things that you Learned or or things that you just had to do during that treatment process um, to get by?
2: Yeah, I think that you know one of the things I really realized through the process of being in treatment and being a cancer survivor now is that there is a um, a view, an image that people have who people who don't have cancer have mm-hmm. of people going through treatment or surviving cancer. And it is of, you know, the woman wearing pink at the Avon breast cancer Mm -hmm. walk, you Mm -hmm. know, being, being the happy, powerful survivor. And, you know, that's great. It makes us all feel good. But for most of us, that is not the day-to-day reality. Mm -hmm. And, it made me really angry (laughs) that that was the image. And I had that image too, as a pre-cancer person. So, you know, I I get where it comes from. And also it's hard to imagine what it's really like until it happens to you. And in fact, even people very close to me in my life really don't fully understand what it was like for me. I think Um, it's awful. And it was, I was so sick all of the time. Um, and every kind of cancer is different. I mean, I also want to say that that every kind of, every type of cancer is different. Every type of breast cancer even is different and treatment plans vary quite a bit. Um, my particular kind of chemo was every three weeks and you Mm -hmm. can tell, I now know you can tell how intense it is by how far they space them apart because they give you about as much time to recover as you need. Right. Um, some people get chemo every week. So okay. I was getting it every three weeks, which can, which tells you that it was, it took me three weeks to recover from yeah. every single treatment. And the first week of that, I was in bed, not moving because wow. I was so sick. Um, my hair fell out, you know, all of the classic things, mm-hmm. my hair fell out, in, which means my eyelashes and my eyebrows and everything yeah. <laughs> fell yeah. out. Um, so yeah, how did I survive that? Well, um, I... Narrowed my life, mm-hmm. you know, telescoped in to the very essential things, which were my health and my partner and my child, mm-hmm. and everything else fell away. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of help. Um, my mm-hmm. partner took time off work to stay with me um, for those for that first week of every cycle. Um, my mom happens to live near us, so she did a lot of childcare, um, picked up Stella from school as needed. Mm-hmm. Um, we signed Stella up for all the activities Mm -hmm. over that. I started chemo in June. So, you know, she was out not in school for the summer, but we signed her up for everything (laughs) so that she didn't have to be around me when I was that sick. And I didn't have to be, you know, feeling like I needed to do Mm -hmm. anything. Like I could just rest. Right. Right. Um, And then in addition to that, I mean, there's, there's all the general Western medicine things, you know, they give you all the drugs, but Um, I also did acupuncture every week, and I did um, cranial sacral therapy before and after every treatment. And I saw a dietician who helped me adjust my diet in ways that was really supportive. So I got all the alternative care. I was taking lots of supplements. You know, I live in Santa Cruz, so you know, <laughs> I did all the hippie things. Um, and I think it really helped, but it was also a great deal of work. So surviving cancer became my job.
0: Right, right. Yeah, just taking up every bit yeah. of...
2: Even above being a mother, honestly. Right. My, yeah. my partner took over as the main yeah. parent and I did me. <laughs> right,
0: right. Um, I want to read just a, a couple of these. This post is structured as, you know, how to get through it. So it's, a, it's kind of a list um, and it's just very poignant. I'm going to read a couple of them that I love. But you say, get used to the discomfort of other people doing things you feel like you should be able to do yourself but actually can't do right now. Um, you also say, give yourself permission to be righteously furious and then give yourself permission to speak that fury out loud, but don't aim it at your immediate family. I mean, I, I can't imagine, obviously I have not gone through it, but, um, the emotional side and then living in close quarters with a preschooler and your partner, um, and their own process of understanding it. Um, it just would, it would require, you know, being righteously furious at times. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the time, (laughs) a lot of the time, a lot of the time. Um, well, you know, most of our listeners are not going through chemo at this moment. Um, (laughs) but there are so many, so many people who are either touched by cancer in some way through a loved one or go through some other kind of pretty intense health situation, including sometimes related to motherhood. Um, you know, the loss of a pregnancy, you know, Mm -hmm. intense things postpartum. And so, while I'm not, there's no comparing apples to oranges to pears with any of this, I do think we can kind of um, translate some of what you learned to getting through any kind of a season um, with our own health or our children's health in motherhood in that I think like you say, narrowing, simplifying, and a whole lot of grace given to ourselves and those around us. Um, anything, any any other, has that occurred to you in any way, the way it kind of applies to other tough yeah. seasons of life?
2: Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I have been dealing with some anxiety um, sort of in the aftermath of all this. There's mm-hmm. some other stuff that has happened in my life since my diagnosis that I've been dealing with. And so I had panic attacks for a while. And so, you know, I was, I've been reading about how mothers especially deal with anxiety in their mm-hmm. life and realizing that so much of what I had learned during the time I was going through treatment really still applied mm-hmm. to help me get through this mm-hmm. new thing that mm-hmm. I was trying to deal with. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's true of any big thing, you know, whether it's an illness or a divorce or just a rough patch in your marriage. I mean, all of these things are just places where if we practice really focusing right. on prioritizing what's right. most important right, right. now, right. we can get through them so much easier right. than if we just try to keep doing all the shoulds and right. I have tos.
0: Right. Um, well, that's, that's a good transition into talking a little bit about self-care, which you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation. But um, when, you, when you talk about self-care, and some of your posts about this are pre-cancer and some mm-hmm. are post Um, I love the way you kind of turn upside down our stereotypical notions of self-care, whether that's getting a pedicure or flossing your teeth every night. And you use the example of um, I think it was during your treatment at the beginning of your treatment, um, you put the same comfortable t-shirt on three days in a row because <laughs> it felt really good. Yeah. Um, and I I also read somewhere that you know paying attention to what the physical sensations that are pleasing to us is absolutely a form of self-care. Whether that's the oh, music totally. you're listening to yeah. or the socks that you're wearing or. So maybe just talk a little bit about that, your, your definition of self-care and how it differs from what we hear all the time in the Glossy magazines.
2: Yeah, I think that self-care really has to come with, from within. And I think that's, that's, the, you know, that's the thing I'm trying to preach, which I don't always maybe articulate quite as well as I could. But I think that we know what we need and the practice is really learning to hear it. Mm. Um, for example, I woke up this morning and my back was really hurting. I drove home from San Diego after Thanksgiving and, you know, took a couple of days. But now my back is like, hey, that was a really long yeah. drive. So my back was really hurting this morning when I woke up. And, you know, old me would have gone, well, that sucks, and just sort of gone about my day yeah. hurting. Um, but... Instead, what I did this morning is I sort of sat with and said, huh, I wonder what I need today. So I I said, well, I think I probably need to go to the chiropractor. So I got online and scheduled an appointment with my Mm -hmm. chiropractor. I took an Advil. I heated up a rice pack, Mm -hmm. you know, which in the middle of getting out the door on the way to school, that seems really frivolous. But, you know, I heated up a rice pack and I put it in the car while we were driving to school. And then I went for a walk in between dropping her Mm -hmm. off and... Talking to you this morning, and I feel a lot better.
0: Right.
2: Um. But if someone had, you know, if I'd said to someone, "My back hurts. I don't know what to do," they would have probably said, "Well, you know, take an Advil," and that yeah. would have been the yeah. end of it. Right. Um,
0: or we wait that, until, or we just wait until it wait until our body to to gets out, <laughs> and then there's <laughs> yeah. no other choice. Yeah. Um. So it's almost like, yeah, there's a badge of honor in. Having your body demand it instead right. of listening to that voice. Right. It lets us know gently what we need.
2: <laughs> right. And that, you know, and, you know, waking up with your back hurting, that's sort of like a loud flag. But, you know, there are lots of places where you can really listen um, and hear what you need. And I, and I. Th- I have found that practicing this for myself helps me take care of my child better. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my habit of saying, wow, I feel kind of cranky right right now. Mm -hmm. I wonder what would make me feel better. And like Mm -hmm. going down my known list of things Mm -hmm. that make me feel good, like, Oh, maybe I need some more sleep or maybe I should make some tea or, Mm -hmm. um, maybe I'm hungry, you know, -hmm. (laughs) whatever the things are. Um, when my daughter starts getting cranky at me in a way that's kind of unusual for her i can say well i wonder what she needs right, right, right. now and i have the same list that i keep for yeah. her and i and i talk to her about it mm-hmm. you know we're we're vocal about you know and i say wow you're you're kind of acting unusual right now mm-hmm. what what's going on you know and we mm-hmm. talk about it and she can tell me i mean mm-hmm. she's not 6 yet and she can say i'm tired mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm kind of hungry <laughs> you yeah. know And, and I feel sometimes when I have those conversations with her, I just feel like this amazing gratitude Mm -hmm. that I have learned it in a way that I can teach her because I didn't learn it until I was 40. Right. Right. And if she knows it now, she's going to have that skill her whole life. That's amazing.
0: Yeah, that is, that is really amazing. Well, one of, one of the things you write about, um, that I think is part of self-care is creativity and passions that may or may not be part of your daily, you know day as in as a mother? Yeah, um, I'm gonna read by far the my favorite passage of the things that you've written that we're talking about today, and it's a little bit long, but it's totally worth it for our listeners. Um, and it's about this story we tell ourselves that pursuing passions or creativity, is somehow secondary to our role as mothers. And this is whether you're working outside the home or, or doing the, the home life thing, um, it applies. So I'm just going to read it aloud for a minute. It's from a, the middle of a post called How to Be a Passionate Mama. It is valuable for me to pursue my passions because when I am living passionately, I burn brighter everywhere in my life. I am more alive in my parenting and my mothering and even in my homekeeping I'm more able to follow my child's interests where they lead and more willing to support my partner in his own outside-of-our-home interests. Over and over, I run into this deeply embedded notion that because I choose to stay at home with our child, because I choose not to work in the traditional office-based way, that I cannot or somehow do not deserve to spend time doing anything else. I hear this voice saying, I don't have time for hobbies. I don't have time for naps. When my child is in childcare, I must be doing some kind of financially productive work to earn the privilege of that time off for me, which makes it not actually time off, just a different kind of work. Over and over again, I attempt to unravel that old idea and reprogram that, the voice because I really don't believe it, but it is very persistent. If you feel guilty taking time for your own passions, you are not alone. If you have trouble turning off your to-do list, you are not alone. Us mamas, we feel we have to do it all. Raise kids, have a career or a successful solo business, even have a beautiful clean home, have a busy social life, all of which leaves very little room for us, the real women who are so busy spinning all those plates and wishing we just had time to paint or read a book or learn a language just because we want to. But that voice tells us we don't deserve to take time away from all those other things to spend on ourselves. But let's try this. Let let us stand together in overcoming that voice that tells us we do not deserve, because we do. Mothers deserve to be autonomous, well-rested, passionate, and engaged people too. We deserve the time to learn new skills, pursue our curiosities, even simply to rest. Not every single thing we do has to be of service to our family. It is enough, really enough, if it is simply of service to you. So um, I feel like that should be printed on T-shirts. <laughs> it's and, long, but yeah. <laughs> um, this is I, our listeners, just for your background, Donia, um, a lot of them are newer moms. Um, you are almost six years in and I'm eight and a half years in with a couple of younger ones. But um, this is so important for newer moms to hear because wouldn't you agree that the pattern of denying ourselves those creative pursuits It doesn't happen overnight, and it's not something we're aware of. We may have been into creative hobbies or done things before children, and it's not like we make a conscious decision to set those aside. It kind of sneaks up on you. And the longer you go, I think the harder it is to listen to this message that I just read aloud. So I think for our listeners who have young babies and toddlers, this is so, so important. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code themomour 15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Um, how has this, how has this manifested for you in particular, um, through, through the cancer treatment and now that you're on the other side of it, this idea of, you know, granting yourself permission for creative pursuits?
2: Well, um, you know, it was interesting to have you read that back mm-hmm. to me cause I wrote that a few years ago and, I still really need to hear it, you yeah. know. So that's the first thing I want to say about this: is that it's a practice, yeah. and even though I write about it in a way that sounds like I totally have it <laughs> nailed, I do not. <laughs> I still struggle with this all yeah. the time. Um, so I think I think what has really happened for me, especially since having cancer, is that. I I have realized that this is not optional.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, that this is not like, oh, wouldn't that be nice that I could do that? And right. especially, you know, in all of our world right now, mm-hmm. politics, talking about privilege and white privilege, especially. Um, sometimes I feel very privileged that I can say I want to spend time doing something creative. Mm-hmm. But even if... you are living a life where money is tight and there is a lot of stress and worry, you still need to do something creative. And what that looks like is going to look really different for each of us, perhaps. Um, You know, it might be, you know, for me, I have a background in art. So for me, my main creative pursuit is making time to paint. Mm -hmm. And I, my big commitment to that um, was that I rented a studio for myself last winter. Mm -hmm. So I had just finished chemotherapy. I finished in October and I rented a studio in November and it was sort of like, I didn't, I couldn't even comprehend how I was going to paint, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I still slept all day and (laughs) I couldn't, I didn't have any hair, you know, it Mm -hmm. was just like, I don't even know what this is going to look like, but it just felt so important for me to say to myself, this is part of who you are in your life after cancer, Mm -hmm. that you're going to be a painter. Um, So for somebody else, it might be just taking half an hour on their lunch break to read a book Mm -hmm. or write in a notebook. Or I, I mean, I find for me, the biggest juice comes from actually creating something rather than consuming something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, reading is lovely, but um, writing is the thing for me, not Mm -hmm. the reading. Um, but that can be lots of different things. I mean, you don't have to be an artist right. and and sometimes I hesitate to talk about my creativity right. because you know people get very wrapped up in well, I don't have an art degree, and right. I'm not creative and it. well, okay, we're all creative, so yeah. stop right there and it, and it we're all be, creative,
0: yeah, and going back to your post, it could be really anything that is of service yeah. to you, so if that is being outdoors with no one else tugging on your pant hems then that is that is what is
2: of service to you or it's just space Mm -hmm. to be you in the world exactly without um being something for somebody else in that moment just be with you Mm -hmm. um you know it might be yoga it might be I I actually love cooking so Mm -hmm. for me cooking from scratch is a creative act and you know I'm a mom I've got to cook every night Mm -hmm. anyway and So, you know, it could be just something I do, but if I infuse it with the love that I have for cooking, Mm -hmm. it feels different. And I I think it feels different for my family too, eating that food, but it really feels different for me. I've made my kitchen a really lovely place to be. I have twinkle lights and I have a padded thing, you know, a padded floor mat where I stand and it's Mm -hmm. comfortable and I have a great knife and a great cutting board. Like I've made it Mm -hmm. a really lovely place to be Mm -hmm. because it's important to me.
0: And you've also given the space of time um, with using just Stella as being in childcare or preschool. I think one thing we try to do as moms is even if we say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really do want to, you know, have my time for myself or my creative pursuit or my hobby or my hiking or my yoga. We try to squeeze it in, in the same, um, schedule and routine patterns of this life that we're living that isn't in service to that thing. Does that make sense? So the, yeah, and
2: sometimes you have to do that. I mean, l- I mean, yes. In reality, not everyone can cho- afford childcare, and sometimes you're, you know, the time when your children's going to be in school seems like a really long right. time away. I remember being yeah. there; my kid is never going to get to yeah. kindergarten. <laughs> um, but find ways, you know, yeah. trade childcare with another mom, or go, you know, if you are a member of a gym that has childcare. Put your kid in childcare and then don't work out.
0: <laughs> I, I do that, Donia. I do that actually like four days a week. So I am a professional at putting my child in gym childcare. I use it for coffee day. I happen to yeah. belong to a, a gym that has great childcare and has like a coffee shop and yeah. These I really yeah. wish
2: my gym had childcare. This uh, doesn't actually work for me, but I could go to a yoga class. You know, I can put yeah. her in childcare and go to yoga class. Yeah. So you know, there are things that you can do if you look at it creatively, and sometimes what you might need is an ipad yeah. and headphones for your yeah. child yeah. for 10 minutes yeah. you know right. i hate i hate putting my kid in front of an ipad but sometimes that's what i need right and it's it's a tool that we can right. use and it doesn't have to be hours and hours it's not going to kill them
0: right
2: um but it's an option.
0: I agree. I agree. Well, let's let's go deeper with this idea of creativity. And yes, you, as you state, we're going to use your creative pursuits as an example, but understanding that this looks different for everyone. Yeah. I'm curious about, you wrote about in a story about Stella, maybe you can tell the story about the mixing the Play-Doh colors, but you sort of describe yourself as a more like linear, I don't know if type A is a word that you hate or not hate, but you have (laughs) that project manager um, brain, and then you have this painter's passion. Has motherhood kind of helped you blend the colors? Do you want to tell the Play-Doh story and then kind of talk about how how that creativity continues to evolve as a mom?
2: Yeah. So um, my daughter um has had access to art supplies really her whole life um and she is very free with them so I think the story you're talking about in that post is that she got out some new um colors some opened some new Mm -hmm. containers of play-doh and happily mixed them all together you know played with what built whatever she was building that required several colors all mushed together. And then she went off to do something else and I was trying to put the Play-Doh away and I was getting really annoyed about how the colors were all mixed up and I couldn't separate them to get them back in the correct containers. And she was going to, you know, have them all mixed up the next time she played with them. And then I I took a step back from my annoyance because this is now my practice like, Oh, I'm feeling really annoyed. What's going on right now? Um, and I realized that she really couldn't care less that the right. colors were mixed up at all. That was my deal. That was not her deal at all. Right. Um, and and yeah, that, I mean, I think that some of that is personality, her personality versus my personality. Right. And some of it is also that I have taught her through providing her with art supplies and not giving her a great deal of instruction or right. rules around right. how to use them. Right. She has just learned that, They're not precious. And I, on the other hand, have learned through my experience that art supplies are precious. And partly that was because we were poor when I was a kid and we didn't get very many. And partly it was because I was poor when I was an art student and I didn't (laughs) have very many. Um, But it has ingrained itself in my creative practice that things are precious Mm -hmm. and I'd better be doing really great art if i'm going to be which is a really good supplies. way to
0: stifle your oh my god <laughs> yourself. Right. The <laughs> so so pressure I, of this i better use these paints wisely. Yeah. It's a waste.
2: I'd better be able to sell this painting when i'm done with it right. and i'd it better be have great meaning that i can put in an artist statement right. cuz you know uh, I, you know people hold up art school as the greatest thing is going to teach you to be the best artist. Mostly what i found from art school is it taught me color theory <laughs> and a whole lot of rules. <laughs> which I've been trying to unlearn for the last 20 years. So
0: what do you do with that voice then that says this better be worth something? I really, I
2: really struggle with it and sometimes I can get past it and sometimes I don't. I mean, I rented that studio last year and then I spent several months going to it and feeling like crap Mm -hmm. while I was there. You know, I didn't know what to paint. I didn't know what to do. I didn't, I felt, you know, and, and, right behind that i don't know vo- part mm-hmm. that feeling of i don't know what to do comes you should know right you've been trained at this yeah. you're you are you are supposed to know you spent, you're money, on know. You spent yeah. money on this yeah. you you are spending money on this studio yeah. right you've spent money on that degree you've spent money on the studio you spent money on all these supplies you'd better produce yeah boy that's Freeing,
0: yeah, yeah, really, <laughs> yeah, that's the right environment. Are there? I'm so, curious if there's different mediums of art that let you feel for my for me. I'm um, very much the way you describe with writing, but podcasting, which is also creative and communicative. I have very few hangups. Like, I mean, our listeners know we don't really edit. We we plan a little bit, but we're, it's very free, both for Megan and for me in a way that I'm not with writing. I'm curious if in your different art mediums, if there's some where you you can let that go a little bit. Well, I
2: think there's a clue there for both me and for you, which is that podcasting is a conversation. Right. And there's, you know, there's somebody else there or Mm. there's something to respond to. Mm -hmm. And so what... I have discovered over much time and a considerable amount of angst as well as some time in my therapist's office, I admit, um, is that I needed to relearn how to play with art Mm -hmm. supplies, Mm -hmm. which I had completely forgotten how to do over the years. And what I find works best for me is that when I paint with with supplies that I feel comfortable with, so for me that's usually acrylic paint, Mm -hmm. um, but I paint in a way that's very intuitive, um, and playful mm-hmm. and that I really get in touch with the process of the thing rather than the product of the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was listening to a podcast actually this morning while I was walking. Do you, do you know the big magic podcast yes, that a, Elizabeth Gilbert yes, oh, I so. listened
0: to all of season one and then I kind of waited on season two. So I am also yeah, maybe so this a, couple, is, a couple. Yes. I was listening
2: two. to, I wrote it down. Um, so your listeners can hear which one this is, but it was episode 204. So it's the beginning of the new season Mm -hmm. and, um, it was about a poet, it was a poet and she was talking about, um, I think I maybe have lost my point now.
0: No, we were talking about the different Uh, mediums and, um, or learning to play again. Right. So the... The quote that I
2: heard in this um, in this podcast this morning was from the poet that okay. Liz Gilbert spoke to. Uh-huh. So not uh, not the person the, the looking poet, for help, but right? but so the, not, yes. not the person she was helping, but the yes. professional poet. And one of the things he said just in their conversation was this um, this comment: "To be a verb, not a noun." Mm. So he was talking about produce poetry, right. don't be a poet. Yes. And so for me, that has been. Like I needed to stop being a painter yes, and just paint, yes. you know, just relearn how to paint. And that meant playing yeah, and kind of figuring out what I like and don't like. So I have kind of followed um, the teachings of Flora Bowley, who's an artist and teacher in Portland. She's amazing. Um, and she teaches a very intuitive style. Um, she paints very big mm-hmm. and in very many layers and each – layer of paint is really just a conversation with the layer before so there we are with a conversation right Mm -hmm. so it's just about me and the paint and what happened before and how can I respond to that and that has really helped loosen me up in a way that has made painting fun and now I'm producing paintings that I don't know that they have deep meaning still but you know maybe they do but
0: they're beautiful, yeah. you know,
2: like I think they're beautiful and other people think
0: yeah. they're beautiful. And, and like you said, the process that the verb part right. of it was as important as the output.
2: Yeah. And I'm still not selling them because that's not really what I'm interested in right now. But I could sell, you know, I feel yeah. like these are paintings I could sell, you yeah. know, that they have potential. Um, but that's not really the point right now. Um, But one of the things that Flora talks about in her teachings and this, you know, this kind of brings it back to what we were talking about self-care and the practice Mm -hmm. of self-care is that when she paints in that way, you know, when she shows up to her canvas present and open Mm -hmm. and with curiosity and strength, you know, fluidity, all of those things that help her to create in a way that feels good and is beautiful those things flow into her life away from the canvas also. Interesting. And it's really interesting. I mean, it's, it's the same kind of practice. It's mm-hmm. the practice of being present. And if mm-hmm. you can do it with a canvas, you mm-hmm. can do it with your kid or your partner or your job or whatever else in your life. It's just a practice of being present.
0: And attaching, attaching so much less to the, know, the outcome yeah. and trusting the process. Yeah. yeah. Oh, painting life metaphors. Yeah. <laughs> I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I'm not a painter at all, but I, yeah, I love it. Um,
2: but well, I think I, I think it's true of, you know, any, anything that you're creating, your writing mm-hmm. or your dinner or, you know, yeah. whatever. If you can show up to it as you, as right. you are right now in this moment and practice being a better you right. in this moment, right. then your creation is going to go wonderfully and yeah. you will have more muscle to do that yeah. in any situation.
0: Yeah. I love that. Um, well let's return to talking about Nurtured Mama a little bit. Nurturedmama.net is that correct? I should Yeah, that's there. correct. Yes. Yeah. Nurtured Mama M A M A Mama. mama. And of course, I'll link to that. Um, Let's talk about what's next. This um, episode will air in the new year 2017. And that's a time when, you know, whether you're a resolution maker or not, I think you and I have both written and talked about that. It's definitely a time for possibilities and intentions. What's next for you with the blog? Or what do you hope your readers kind of come into a new year thinking about, talking about, do you have anything that you're working on right now that will be coming up?
2: Yeah, well I don't have any big projects on the blog right now that I'm working on. I, I do hope to have some new e courses in the new year, but I haven't um, really sat down and flushed them out yet. So I can't I can't give you any um, promos promos on those <laughs> <laughs> as yet to be determined. Um, but I am really trying to focus my writing on Um, more mindfulness Uh and mothering and you know that sometimes that word mindfulness can really turn people off like I don't want to be a yogi whatever Um, but it's really mostly about the same practice of being present you know that I'm talking about Mm -hmm. like you know if you can be present with yourself you can be present with your children and Mm -hmm. so it's figuring out how to do that um, and still bringing my you know a project management background mm-hmm. to it because I don't think I don't think I can let go of that. Right. Um. So, you know, I'm also writing about like how to make space for things, you know. Yeah, yeah you want to have a creative practice, but your life is really overwhelming. So yeah. how do you make room to, right. for that? Right. Um. You want to have a family dinner, but your kids are all over the place in the evening. So how do you do that? Right. You know, so I'm really trying to give practical tools for right. solving those kinds of problems yes. while also keeping my eye on the bigger picture of, what is it that's important? You know, right. what's important in your family, how to figure that out.
0: What's your um, favorite type of post or guide to write on your blog? Because there are, there is, a, I mean, you have like, like you said, e-courses and very practical, tactical stuff. And then you've got beautiful essays there. And on other, <laughs> do you have a, and I, I guess I'm curious, this is like a self-serving question because yeah. <laughs> I also, my brain also works that way. I, I vacillate between essays and how-tos and humor and um do you have a favorite a favorite type of post where it just flows easily and you think this is what this blog is about
2: um you know it's shifted over time but mm-hmm. i also think that i have learned to accept in myself that i am not the same all the time you know mm-hmm. i love writing those essays the telling the stories of my yeah. daughter there's a post somewhere on my blog about what will I remember? And it was about just this awful day that my daughter and I had right after time change. I think she was three years old and we just fought all day long. It was just awful. And then at the end of the day, the, you know, bedtime hour devolved into me yelling in her face that she had to stay in her bed (laughs) and she started crying, you know, Oh my God. And, and it was how she responded and how I stepped out of myself to like, recover that moment of really bad parenting um so I love writing those stories but you know those kind of come to me like a bolt of lightning yeah. so I can't really depend on them yeah <laughs> I mean that's I true. wrote that one after she fell asleep that night right yeah, yeah. those can kind of flow out in 45 it minutes kind sometimes. of how it came yeah. out of my head just yeah. like that and you know that's lovely but that yeah. doesn't happen very often um but I really I really do enjoy writing the more practical list posts, you know, where where I hear from readers like, I implemented this yes. and
0: worked. Like that's yes. awesome. That well, and that's where so your happy. natural your natural gifts as a project manager are not everybody thinks that way. So that really can yeah. be a huge help a huge help to moms. Um and you also send emails from your blog, right? So I get your emails and I yeah. uh, you went through you took a break and then you came back. Yeah. I didn't um,
2: it all during my treatment cuz you know. Right. In my telescoping that was chemo. that just went by the yes. <laughs> side. So yeah, I'm writing again, not super regularly, but yeah, I'm starting to write again. So yeah, I do encourage people to get on my email list. I write um, I I send Whatever posts I put on the blog, but I okay. also send other emails about other things once in a while. Um, and I also have, if you sign up for my email list, I have what I think is a great little ebook that I wrote recently about how to get out the door in the morning with your kids in a peaceful way, which well, is everybody needs. That. Which everybody needs. And I use all these techniques in my house and they're really working. And we haven't been late to school yet this year,
0: which oh, that is, is kind of amazing. Well, that's all the incentive I'm sure our listeners <laughs> need. So we will post links to obviously your blog, the posts that we've talked about, and then the email list sign up too. Um, well, is there anything else with our that you feel like you want to share with our listeners before we wrap? I just have gotten so much out of this conversation. Oh, thank you. Um.
2: Yeah, I, I think just you know, I'd love to hear from people. I'd love to yeah. hear, you know, what's your creative pursuit? What does that look like for you? Where are you struggling with it? You know, I'd love to hear from. Yeah, well, would let's love yeah, let's engage with me more about it.
0: Yeah, that is a great idea. So we'll we always can get comments on the show notes for this episode, and then of course I will link and post on social media, you're, are you, would you say you're most active on Instagram? I feel like I, I am. Instagram. Yeah.
2: Instagram yeah. is my big one. I do have a Facebook page, although I don't use it very often. I am also on Twitter. And yeah. again, I don't use it very often, yeah. but I'm there. So yeah, you well, also...
0: our listeners, I think are also um, pretty active on Instagram and that's a great yeah. place to continue. The yeah. Conversation.
2: yeah. So I'm, I'm Donya B on Instagram, D-O-N-A-B okay. on Instagram.
0: Perfect. Well, Donya, thank you so much for spending this time with us and listeners head to the mom and look for all the wonderful links we talked about, um, and Donia's posts and where to find her more. So happy 2017 to you. I'm Thank saying that you. from, we're not quite there as we record, <laughs> but when we listen back to this, it will be a new year. So yeah. thanks so much, Donia.
2: Great. Thank you, Sarah. It's so good to talk to you.
0: Just look for The Teas Made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts or head to theteasmade.com
1: to find all the episodes.